0: Well, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. We serve a risen Savior. Amen. Amen. And that's why we're here today. Amen. Amen. It's time to celebrate. We knocked a wall down. We put a couple hundred more chairs up. We brought some friends and family in. And it's time for us to simply say, our God reigns. Amen. Amen. All right. Let me start with a story. This last week was a spring break for us. And uh, my daughters were off, they uh, they go to the Morton School, so we take spring break three weeks before school's done. I don't know, whatever, right? <laughs> so it's spring break for us, and uh, so Thursday night, we decided, hey, let's go roast some marshmallows. It's about 40 degrees out, right? So we grabbed one of these portable fire pits that we've got, and, and we had set it up, and my wife, with all the foresight in the world, said, you know, it might start raining, let's make sure we don't set it up in a place we're going to regret. So I set it up right at kind of the edge of the garage, just in case, you know? And so I I let, I set the log out and I lit it. Okay. It was a Duraflame. So you just have to light the paper and the whole thing ignites, right? Like we got to get this bad boy going, Like make sure we get it in. Okay. And now do you remember Thursday night? Do you remember the torrents of rain that were coming down? Okay. I lit the Duraflame log four minutes before that, just so you know. (laughs) So I light the log, I get that thing going and, and we're just, we're getting the chairs all set up and the kids are coming out and they're kind of buzzing and they got the s'more stuff, all the things you need and it's all laid out on the ground and we're getting ready and the drops start coming down, right? And then they start coming down harder and harder and faster and faster. In fact, it just pretty much went to a straight downpour. And the kids are like, we will not be daunted, right? So they're sticking a marshmallow on there and they're reaching out and you can hear the flame fissing. You know what I mean? As the water hits it, you're going, shh, shh. As the rain is hitting the log, and they're holding the marshmallow out like it's going to get warm on it, I'm sure, you know? And my wife and I, all right, we climbed in the bed of the pickup truck in the garage. We're sitting in the back, staying away from the rain that's coming at angles, and we're like, we're getting wet in the bed of the pickup at the back of it, and they're sitting out there kind of doing this in the fire, right? They get done, and they make the s'more, and it, I mean, she started, uh, my littler one, Alyssa, is starting to climb into the truck, and the s'more was like this thick, and I go, Whoa, that's a serious s'more. And she goes, well, the marshmallows are stale. So they didn't really cook well. And the chocolate is freezing cold. And the graham crackers are kind of mushy from the rain. But this is awesome. As we sat in the bed of the truck laughing and joking, huddled up against the cab side of the truck as the rain's coming in the garage and cars that are driving by in the torrents of rain are honking at us as if to say, You're a fool, right? One of those. We're just enjoying the moment. Was it because of the great graham crackers? Or the really good chocolate or the stale marshmallows? or No. It was because of the time together. It was because of the relationship with one another. You know, we as a church, we have a job. And it's as the outside looks in as they're driving by. They may not see the best circumstances going on in our life. There might be some troubles taking place in your home. You might be wrestling with things. You might, the graham crackers are soggy. But you're enjoying your time with your king. That's our call. And quite frankly, as we need to enjoy our time with the king, we might ask the question, what's the big deal about this Jesus Christ? What's the big deal about Jesus You know, we're going to start today and we're going to go over the next eight weeks after this. We're going through a series called The Compelling King. And that's the question we're answering. What's the big deal about Jesus Christ? Today, we're going to start answering that. We're going to dive into Luke chapter 24, verses 36 to the end there. And we're just going to answer this. What's the big deal about my king? In fact, we know there's a big deal. And in the end, we're going to be saying, that's my king. Turn with me, if you will. To Luke chapter twenty four, verses thirty six to fifty three. If uh, if you need a Bible, the usher's are coming forward. They'll have Bibles in their hands. So just raise your hand. They'll get a Bible to you. Okay, get their attention. They'll get one to you. Luke chapter twenty four, verses thirty six to fifty three. What's the big deal about this Jesus? Well, the first point: he is real. He is risen. And he has worn the clothes of humanity. He is real. He is risen. And he has worn the clothes of humanity. Let's just start out in verse 36 here. It says, As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. As they were talking about these things. Well, let's make sure we understand the context, right? We're jumping into a book here. What's going on? What things are they talking about? Remember, this is the disciples. This is the ones who are saying, this guy is going to be the Messiah, the Savior. This is going to be the one who is our answer to everything. Now, granted, they didn't quite totally get it. So they were thinking politically. They were thinking physically. They weren't so much thinking spiritually. But they were grasping that Jesus was an answer. He was a leader, a teacher, a guide. They were seeing all that take place. They were watching him move in people's lives. They saw the blind see. They saw the deaf hear. They saw the lame begin to walk again. They saw truth shared. They saw power literally unleashed in this world. And they were getting some hope. Hope was beginning to build. And they were trying to figure out what was next. Then all of a sudden, one of the 12, one of the inner 12, defected. I'm done with them. 30 pieces of silver and I'm out of here. Then he was taken. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was crucified. He was gone. This is their Messiah, their hope. This is the one who they were putting all of their trust in. They're devastated. Three days later, a couple of women are returning and saying, we've been there. I'm telling you, the tomb is empty. He's gone. We're told he's risen. And they're questioning it. All of a sudden, Peter walks in. He's like, I was there, too. And the linen cloths, they're left empty. The tomb is empty. Now we start out and they were talking about these things. Do you think? Can you imagine the conversation that was going on? The people saying, What is happening? What's Jesus doing here? What's the, is it real? Or is somebody playing a hoax? Do you, isn't that kind of what he alluded to when he, maybe this is real? As they were talking through what was taking place, it says that in that moment, Jesus appeared amongst them and he said, Peace to you. Now, this was a typical welcome for a Jewish relationship. Peace to you. What it basically meant was, hey, the very essence of God in your life, may you experience that. May the core of the divine touching you, may that be what you experience right now. Peace to you. It's a great welcome, isn't it? Peace to you. Try it. Try saying it to each other right now. Peace to you. Say it like you mean it, right? Peace to you. I hope God really touches your life. That's a great way to welcome each other, right? Next time you see each other in Walmart, peace to you. That's where we see each other, right? Let's be real. How many times a week do you see somebody in Walmart you know from church, right? Peace to you. It's a great way to talk. It's a great way to recognize that God is at work in our lives. It says, but they were startled and frightened. They thought they had seen a spirit. Why would they have thought they'd seen a spirit? Well, maybe because just not so long ago, He wasn't alive. And now they're seeing one that looks like him. But more than that, he just sort of appeared. He was like right there all of a sudden. So there's something else going on in his body where he's capable of moving quickly. Jesus with a glorified body. And they're trying to figure out what they're seeing and what they're looking at. He just appeared. They thought they were seeing a spirit. So Jesus had an answer for them. Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself? Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Why show the hands and the feet? Well, because of the cross. Because of the marks that were left that would say... This is him, the authentic one, the Christ, the Messiah, our Savior, the one who went to the cross is right here with us. Here's my hands and my feet where the nails put marks for eternity. Jesus Christ was letting them in on the real plan of the Messiah. Yes, political, eventually. Yes, physical, eventually. But now, spiritual. There was a plan at hand. And I, I needed to die and rise again. And I am among you and I am here with hope. And this is the evidence of my hope. As he stood and he showed them his hands and his feet. As he showed them the reality that he is risen. He is risen, amen? That's our Christ, our Messiah. And as he showed the hands, they were able to simply say, wow, you've got to be kidding. And the buzz really started going amongst them at that point. I could only imagine the talk and the hope and the excitement. It says that after Jesus showed them his hands and his feet, while they were still there, they disbelieved for joy and they were marveling. The first time I read this, I thought what an what an interesting way to say it They disbelieved because of joy top three reasons we disbelieve you may want to write them down number one uh, it 's too good to be true it 's just too good to be true i can 't believe it right that 's where they 're at it says because of joy they could not believe it 's just too good to be true number two uh, it's Too bad to be true. Can't possibly embrace that hurt right now. When we go through a devastation and we go into that moment where we're in shock and we're simply setting aside the truth we're being handed because it's too bad to be true. It's not where these guys were. They were in the too good to be true. But we can end up in a too bad to be true moment. And we go into disbelief. The third one. Too different to be true. I'm just not thinking that way. That's not what I was expecting. It needs to go down like this. Why is it different than that? I can't embrace it. It's just too different to be true. Three reasons why we disbelieve. Often we find ourselves challenged as we look at Christ and we say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where you're headed or I'm not sure what you're doing or I'm not sure that you're working in this or I'm not sure that dot, dot, dot. What's the struggle you're in? What's the pain you're going through? Do not let these three stop you from believing. The too good to be true, the too bad to be true, or just the too different to be true. Look at him. Lean on him. Worship him with all you've got. And trust him with all you have. These guys were standing there almost in a euphoria Of laughter and joy and they just almost couldn't believe what was going on it says that jesus had an answer for him he simply said do you have something for me to eat that's what he said how in the world does that help right it's like guys you're not grasping it i'm real give me some fish right and some of us are like you got to be kidding fish like what about steak or something right Fish was like the delicacy of the day. It was well prepared. It was available. And he's like, that right there, bring it to me. Let me have some to eat. Why? Because he's helping them embrace that he's real and that he's risen and that he in bodily form is right before them. Give me something to eat. I'll show you how real I am. As he takes and eats and shows them the answer to prayer, the answer to hope. That the Messiah is right there with him. It says they gave him a piece of the fish and he took it and he ate it before them. Jesus making very real that he is alive. Our Savior, the Son of God, the Almighty Son, who comes with such an unbelievable package deal. Of relationship with him, of power with him, of change with him that will last for all eternity the Almighty Son. You know, there was a man who uh, was a collector of rare art. And uh, he had, I mean, his house was chocked full. I mean, he had the Van Goghs and the Rembrandts, and he had some awesome paintings. He had a son who had gone to war. And his son was a hero in the war there. He had saved many lives. He was very valuable to the war effort. But his son had lost his life in the war. One day after the war, a soldier came to the house and knocked on the door. And opened up a sketch that he had made of the man's son. And he handed him the sketch and he said, I'm not a great artist. But I tried to capture a little bit of your son's personality. And of what was going on in his eyes. He was amazing to be with. He saved my life. I just wanted to give you this drawing. The father took that picture. And he cherished that picture with all he had. He framed it. He put it in the middle of all of these unbelievably priceless paintings. It wasn't but a few months later, and the man ended up dying himself. And his entire estate went up for auction. The first one to be sold was the picture of the sun. And as they went to sell, the auctioneer said, $100 for this picture. Who will give me $100? It was as quiet as that. Nobody said a thing. He said, come on, somebody needs to give me a bid, $100. They said, come on, move on. Let's get to the other paintings. $100. Nobody's going to move. Finally, at the back, a gardener raises his hand and says, I can only bid 10 It's all I've got, $10. He says, fine, $10. Who will give me 20 Is anybody willing to bid 20 Somebody finally screams out, we're here for the Rembrandt, man. Get to it. Let's go. He said, fine, ten dollars going once, going twice, picks up the gavel, whack! This painting sold for ten dollars. Sets down the gavel and starts to walk away. They go, whoa, what are you doing? We gotta get to the rest of it. And he goes, the rest of it's done. The will was made. He who buys the painting of my son gets it all. That's where you and I stand today. In a relationship that brings more Then we deserve in a relationship that brings power and life change and authority that will last us for all eternity. And what did we do? We simply said, take my life, Lord, you're in charge. Done. And we get way more than we could have ever imagined. Life with the Almighty King. It's our privilege. He is real. He is risen. He was clothed with humanity and is clothed with humanity, our almighty king. And he brings so much for you and for me. Amen. The challenge is this. Are you living your life for him? Are you handing it over and saying, may the sun rock my world? Jesus, you've got my all. I'm giving you all I have. Thank you for what you've done. That's the first step in recognizing the greatness of our King. He is real. He is risen. The second step, second point, he fulfilled all prophecies of the coming Savior. He fulfilled all prophecies of a coming Savior. Check this out. Jesus now begins to talk to him. He showed him the wounds. He's eaten the fish. He now says to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Have you ever had one of those moments we are like, okay. We've been over this a few times. I've said this to you before, but I need for you to hear this now. Are your ears opening up? Are you ready to hear at this point? Like this is kind of where Jesus is. He's being kind, he's being relational, he's also being very direct. Uh I've been over this with you. These are the things I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Hear this, boys. Me, written about in Scripture from eternity past. Hear this. The three segments of the Jewish Old Testament. The law and prophets and the Psalms. The law, the prophets and the Psalms. Those three pieces. Basically, the whole Old Testament. Here's how it points to me. Remember, I told you it did. I told you it would. It's time for you to start embracing that it does. I am the fulfillment of all that. It says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. My prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that we would simply ask that of our Almighty. Lord, just open my mind. That I can grasp what you have. I know there's things going on where I'm thick up here. I know I'm being distracted. I know I'm not hearing you. I know that there is times when you're trying to make a point And I am off in la-la land. Dreaming about something else. Please open my mind. That I can hear. I mean really hear. What you have to say. That needs to be our prayer. Even right now. Right here. Let's just take a moment. Where you're literally saying that to the Lord right now. Let's just take a moment in prayer. Where we're saying, Lord, open my mind like you opened theirs. May I see you in the word richer than I ever have before. May whatever's blocking my mind be removed. Open that I might hear you. Let's just pray right now for a moment. Take that time where you pray personally to him, that prayer. Lord, may we never miss the opportunity to have our mind opened by you. Open us that we might hear you. Speak to us right now. May this worship center become exactly that. You getting all the due attention. Teach us what you'd have us to know. Open our minds that we might hear. What was it that Christ would have shared? I just wrote down a few things. Okay? Okay as he's sharing from the law and the prophets and the Psalms. Genesis 3, 15. He was born of the seed of a woman. Genesis 12, 2 and 3. He would be born of the lineage of Abraham, this answer, this Messiah. Genesis 49, 10. He'll be from the tribe of Judah. Isaiah 9, 7. He'll be heir to the throne of David. For those of you who are scrambling to write, we'll put this up on the web this week with the message, okay? Okay. We'll put some of these up there. Isaiah seven 14, he'll be born of a virgin. Micah 5, 2, he'll be born in Bethlehem. Malachi 5, 1, he'll be preceded by another John the Baptist. Zechariah 11, 12, and 13, he'll be sold for 30 pieces of silver. Isaiah 53, he'll be mistreated, he'll be crucified. In the midst of his mistreatment, he'll remain silent. Psalm 16, 10, he will rise from the dead. Can you imagine the moment where Christ just begins to bring out the word and he quotes it and then says, can you see? What's that saying? Saying you're going to be born in Bethlehem? Where was I born? Bethlehem? Yes! And what's this saying? And he's just walking along, showing them the richness of the prophecies and the wholeness of the truth that were written hundreds and thousands of years before his existence. And yet now are true to the letter. Amen. We serve the Christ, the risen one. But more than that. The God of the universe who prophesied ahead of time of what would be happening. And he started from time past. And he recorded through Moses and all of the law and the prophets and the Psalms. This is who he'll be. And Christ is able to say, that is who I am. Amen. Amen. That's our mighty God. The Messiah. You know... Just a little heads up, we uh, have been doing some daily readings, right? And uh, we just finished a, a 20-day daily reading there. We I'm putting something else up, and if, for those who want to follow with it, follow with it. It's a 45-day reading plan. It's going to go along with this sermon series. And each week, we're going to be reading from Genesis. We're going to start in Genesis. It will end in Revelation at the end of the 45 days. And we're going to be looking at Christ, the Messiah, in the Bible, what does it mean from Genesis to Revelation? Who is Jesus? What's he doing? What's the whole storyline of the Bible? All too often we pick this up and we think, it's my self-help book. Oh, my word, if we missed it. This is not our self-help book. Does it help us? Yes. But that's not its primary intent. Its primary intent is this, that we would grasp the Almighty King from beginning as creator in perfection. Everything falling apart in him, working with creation all the way through, bringing creation back to him until he's finally coming and reigning king. It's the story of our mighty king, amen? That's what we're going to be reading, okay? So join with us on the 45-day reading challenge as we read day by day about our mighty king from Genesis to Revelation. And each week, they're going to align with the passage we're preaching that uh, from that week before, okay? Join with us. It's going to be powerful. I'm looking forward to it. So we have... Christ basically saying, through the scriptures, this is who I am. He then says, I need you to understand some very direct statements of me. Thus it is written, the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Beginning from Jerusalem. That's his command. I want you to recognize this about me. That I've come That I've sacrificed all for you. That you can have forgiveness of sins through me. And I was to rise on the third day. And I have done, done, done. Check, 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 check. This is what's accomplished through me. Let's just deal with this for a moment. It says that Christ should suffer. That Christ should suffer. How did he suffer? Well, I mean, he was rejected. And he was beaten, and he was mocked, and he was spit on. He was crucified. Those sound like pretty bad sufferings, right? Yes. Physical suffering and, and some emotional mistreatment. But is that what this is really alluding to? The suffering for you and me. It's actually a spiritual suffering. It goes deeper. It's this. That he who knew no sin became sin for us. That's the real suffering. That he who knew perfection And a complete relationship with the Almighty had to bear the very wrath of God, which is what you and I deserve. And that went on Him at the cross. Yes, the suffering through the physical. Yes, the suffering through the emotional. Yes, the suffering through the spiritual. As our Almighty God carried with Him to the cross what we deserve. And He who knew no sin became sin for us. And as he in that moment bore the very thing he had never, ever experienced in his life. The pain and wrath of God Almighty. That's the suffering that he gave for you and me. And his shed blood became a replacement payment. Notice that it says that there is repentance and forgiveness of sins for all nations. You and me, we have the privilege of repenting literally means to turn and go the opposite direction. Repent and seek the forgiveness. Please use your blood. Please use your carrying the wrath of God Almighty on you instead of me and forgive me for what I owe. That's the story of our Almighty Savior. Amen? That's the story of our hope and our salvation, of our mighty King, is that He carries our penalty and payment. And it lasts for all eternity. Amen. That's our king and our God. It says at the end there, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. You will be my witnesses. Newsflash. Don't run out and do this all in your own human strength. Right. You will do this. This will be a part of what happens. But newsflash. If you try to just muscle it yourself, you're really going to find this going pretty pathetically. Okay? Wait for my Holy Spirit to come on you with all power. I wrote this down. Vance Havner wrote this quote. Witnessing is not what you do for him. It's what he does through you. It's not a sales talk. But it's a spiritually empowered testimony. As you share and God moves. People do not come to Christ through arguments. They come to Christ Through the Holy Spirit opening their mind. Vance Havner. Awesome insight to witnessing. We are called to share of our almighty Savior. Imagine what Jesus Christ could have done at the cross. It's always timely. Imagine what he could have done at the cross. He could have called 10,000 upon 10,000 angels. He could have called for the absolute appropriateness of who he was to be lifted up. He could have called that he be celebrated in that moment. And instead he said, right now, it's not the time. Now is the time for me to provide. Now is the time for me to make the sacrifice. Eventually, in my second coming, it will be time for me to prevail. But now is provision. I will come with all authority. Right now I provide with all love. That's our Savior. And we embrace him with all we have. That's the one we want to spend eternity with. You know, in 1981, there was a car that was stolen in Minnesota. And uh, they were driving this VW Bug, running recklessly away from the police. The problem was they didn't know that on the seat next to them, the owner of the VW had actually left a box of crackers that looked very enticing. They weren't the soggy graham crackers we had on Thursday night. They looked very enticing, but they had rat poison on them. Why? Because he was going to use it to kill some rats out at his farm. And so he had these crackers with rat poison. He's like, I'm just telling you, the guy has any of that. He's dead. So all of a sudden, they're putting out full calling on the radio. If you see this car, stop the car, save the man's life. Got the cops chasing him, and he is running. He doesn't know what's going on, and he is running like crazy. Why? Because he basically feels like he's trying to escape when actually they're trying to rescue him and his life. All too often, we have the same view of our relationship with God. That we're running to try to escape and have our own freedom. When really the very reason that he's pursuing us is to rescue us from ourselves. Amen? That's our job. Stop, turn, get in his arms. Let the king of this universe just unleash his glory upon you. As he starts changing and shaping and empowering and showing you... Exactly who he is. Get into the hands of the Almighty and let him live with you, through you, about you. May your life become a worship to him. Stop running. Hand it over. Let him be your number one. So first, he is real. He has risen. Second, he has fulfilled all prophecies. And third, He is enthroned at the right hand of the Father. He is enthroned at the right hand of the Father. Check this out real briefly here at the end. It says, Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them, and he was carried up into heaven. Then, well, we actually know if you go to Acts chapter 1, this then is kind of a long then. It basically is about 40 days later. So there's a bunch of events as Christ is showing who he is and the realness of who he is and all that's going on. And then he takes them out to Bethany and he blesses them. Can you imagine Jesus Christ raising his hands up over them and saying a blessing over them? Basically, may the Lord keep you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord's face shine upon you, right? Who knows what he was quoting? He very well may have been quoting the Aaronic Blessing. As he simply said, it's about you being blessed by me. Now watch this. The coronation of the king begins as he ascends into heaven. And they watch him take his rightful place for eternity. It says he was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. They lifted his name up. They worshiped him with all they had. Where did he go when he went to heaven? Ephesians chapter one, verses 20 to the end there of that chapter. He was raised into the heavenlies. It says that he was seated at the right hand of the Father. That he was now placed above all other rule and authority. He alone is in charge. That he was more than just in charge. He was the head of the church. Him working for you and for me, Jesus Christ, our advocate, our intercessor, our almighty king, moving things in the direction where he will reign for all eternity. He will come again as our coming Lord and reigning king. Amen. He will come again to rule and to reign. And we can absolutely be thrilled with his coming because we know exactly who he is, our mighty king. Our king of love and mercy. Let me tell you, he's going to be coming, bringing it. Amen? We're going to get to that in week seven and eight. And I am absolutely thrilled and excited as we get into Revelation 19, 20, 21. You want to be here for this series as we go through who is this Christ and who will he be in our lives. The Almighty One, seated in the heavenlies, at the right hand of the Father, above all others, completely determined. And absolutely will succeed. Our King deserves our attention. Our King deserves our worship. We absolutely have an amazing God. Here's my request. Let's make sure we get our arms around the whole of who He is. Let's just take a moment to see who our King is. Word by word, phrase by phrase. We're gonna play a video here. Just listen. To all that our king is for us. This is our king.